Greetings and salutations from the name of our Lord. Uh, we're going to continue on in our little journey in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. Today I'm going to be focusing on his verse concerning the cornerstone, but there is so much in this chapter to unfold. Sometimes I can get lost when I'm going through something like this, and I have to have something central to circle my wagons around. And for me, that central thought is uh, the culture that this that this letter was written in, and the time in history, and all that. It, you know, First Peter, Second Timothy, First, Second, Third John, and the Gospel of John were all written roughly at about the same time, and it was a time where Christianity was falling out of favor, increasingly so with the Roman government. And at this time, Christianity had was moving away from being considered a sect of Judaism and becoming its own thing. Still connected to Judaism, uh, but um, but being recognized as a separate entity, which caused problems. And Peter's writing to the exiles. That's how he opened his letter. And this exile thing is is really twofold. One. He's focusing on, his language is pointed or aimed at Jewish believers who were basically who had left Jerusalem at the beginning of the siege of Jerusalem by Rome. And so they were exiles from Israel, the, the diaspora. And yet, and also as believers, they were exiles from Judaism, which would be grievous to a Jewish believer because so much of their identity was wrapped around the synagogue and and the temple and many of the Jewish religious community did not recognize following Yeshua as Messiah as being part of their Jewish faith. Uh, they didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. So a Jewish believer is twice exiled, exiled from Jerusalem at this time, and also exiled from their own religious uh, community that they had formerly been part of, the synagogue, temple, and all that. But this also applies to uh, Gentile believers in the sense that uh, Gentile believers, by entering into uh, Christianity, were exile, were becoming exiles as far as Rome was concerned. So, and they were coupling up with Jewish believers. So, Rome would consider them twice exiled. First, you're aligning with the religion that came out of a religion that we're no longer uh, allowing, and you won't bow your knee to the emperor and worship the emperor. So, I. So it was a tough time to be a believer. Now, John's message to the believers at this time was that we are called in the midst of this conflict to love. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor yourself. This is what a Christian should look like. Paul's message, and this is, again, this is me summarizing. This is what, this is how I'm encapsulating it. John says this is what a Christian should act like. Paul says not only should a Christian act like this, but this is what a Christian should think like. Paul is theological. 
more so than all the other apostles. He's probably the most brilliant mind of them all. John says, look like this. Paul says, think like this. Peter, Peter's contribution is, you know, you shouldn't be afraid. You're in exile, but you shouldn't be afraid. And this is why. And so that's kind of where Peter's coming from. Now, Peter, in today's uh, passage of scripture, brings up a very important concept of the cornerstone. Let's read it. As you come to him, the living stone, which is Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God. And precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. First of all, the language here again is would be very recognizable by a Jewish believer. He's quoting Jewish scripture and the concept of the cornerstone is not unknown, would not be unknown or unfamiliar concept to the Jewish people. Um, it's a very messianic statement. The, the Messiah will be the cornerstone. And so let's talk a little bit about this cornerstone. You can see my graphic here. The cornerstone or foundation stone is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to the stone. thus determining the position of the entire structure. In other words, if you want the building to face a certain direction, the first stone back then especially, or the cornerstone, depending on where you place the cornerstone, determine which direction the building chased, uh, faced. The cornerstone is very important. I have up here, the synagogue is sometimes designed to have their congregation face towards Jerusalem. Well, if that's going to happen, they have to place the cornerstone in a specific place in order to build a building so that everybody can face Jerusalem. All stones receive their orientation from the cornerstone. If Jesus is our cornerstone, we receive our orientation from him. That is, we point in the same direction as he did, loving God, loving our neighbor. Everything we do should be able to be referenced to him. Every stone in a building is referenced to the cornerstone. The cornerstone determines the orientation of the building. Well, if Jesus is our cornerstone, that should determine our orientation. Jesus wants us pointed in a certain direction the cornerstone is placed to point the building in a certain direction. If Jesus is your cornerstone, then you will be oriented in the direction that he calls us to. And what does he call us to? To love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. To love our neighbor as ourself. Even in the midst of being in ex exile, 
even in the midst of persecution, that should not stop us from loving God and loving others. I keep coming back to that thought, and that really is, in this season of my life, that is the thought that God is continually driving home to me. And I see almost all of these verses, I still put them within the context of that thought, love God, love others. The cornerstone determines the orientation of the building. If you are connected with Jesus, then you will be oriented in the same direction as Jesus was. There's, I read somewhere where Jesus was a picture of what Israel should have become. Jesus was the perfect Jewish representation. A light to the world. Not compromising message. His, not compromising his message or his testimony, but being a light to the world and leading people towards God, uh, being involved in the healing and restoration of people who needed healing and restoration. That's the cornerstone. And we are living stones built upon that foundation. Now, to those who believe, the stone's precious. That's true. Jesus is everything. If you want to destroy the Christian faith, destroy Jesus. Prove that he didn't rise from the dead. All you have to do to destroy Christianity is to destroy who Jesus was. Uh, he's everything. He's our cornerstone. He's my reference. When I am in a position of having to decide what should I do, honestly, I think in terms of what Jesus would have me to do. Or what would Jesus do? He's my cornerstone. If there's no cornerstone, then it doesn't matter what direction it, it, the building is uh, is facing. According to the builder, they're just gonna they're gonna build it um, to keep it out of swamp, or they're gonna build it according to other reasons. But there's no if there's no cornerstone, then there's no rhyme or reason to what direction a building faces. The builder can make that building go whatever direction he feels is important. But once that cornerstone is set, then that building is set in its orientation. If Jesus is your cornerstone, then you're going to be oriented in the same direction as he was. And what direction was he oriented in? Towards God, towards the Father. Glorifying the Father. He says here, To you who believe, the stone's precious. But those who don't believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. A builder might reject a stone to be used as a cornerstone. That's up to him. He, put that stone, he puts that stone aside. He says here, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. It's just another rock out there and people just trip or stumble over it. A stone meant to be used as a cornerstone just thrown off to the side. That's the picture he gives that Israel as a nation did not recognize Jesus as the cornerstone, did not recognize Jesus as Messiah. 
Now, before we just go all off half-cocked and just start throwing rocks at Israel, the truth be told, nobody in this world accepted Jesus as the Son of God. Gentile or Jew. The whole world is guilty. This isn't a Jewish thing. This isn't an anti-Jewish reason to become anti-Semitic. The truth of the matter is, the whole world rejected him. Uh, Caiaphas had a chance to accept him. Um, Pilate had a chance. They both, both cultures, rejected Jesus as a cornerstone. If he's a cornerstone of your life, your life will be oriented in the same direction that his was. Okay, let's go on to the next part of this passage. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. I'm not going to get too crazy with this, but this is all part of God's plan. The cornerstone has two purposes. To those who believe, it's their primary foundational stone. They build their life on that cornerstone, oriented in the direction that the cornerstone determines. But if you're not going to use that stone as a cornerstone, then you're just going to trip over it or stumble. Now, Peter says here, they stumble because they disobey the message. Or you could say, they disobey the message, and that's why they stumble. Why do they disobey the message? Because they're not basing their their life on that cornerstone. He's not the reference for them. And they stumble as a result. But, he says, and again, this is language that a Jewish believer would recognize. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Two ways of looking at this. One, if you accept the fact that he's aiming his language at the Jewish believer, he's telling them, look, you as a Jewish follower of Yeshua, a a Jewish follower of Messiah, Jesus, you are the chosen people that the word speaks about. You are the royal priesthood. You are the holy nation. All this stuff is Old Testament references to God's people. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And he's reminding them as Jewish believers, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. So it's, if you would take the um, example or the, uh, of that Presbyterian preacher I used to know that would say that there's the church visible and then the church invisible. The church visible is the overall group. The church invisible is the real church hiding inside everybody who looks like the church. You could take that example and look at Israel. You have all of Israel, those people who appear to be called by God, and then you have the people who are truly called by God in the middle of that. Peter's saying to these Jewish believers, you're the ones this is talking about now. You are the chosen people. But now, he's not excluding Gentile believers because Paul explains in other places how Gentiles are grafted in to 
the vine. Their, uh, their adopted children into the family of God, of which Israel was a part. Now, Jews and Gentiles form the chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession. You and I, we're part of God's special possession. We're prized by him. And the reason, and so because of that, we declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, once I was not part of the people of God, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you've received mercy. So Peter is addressing really two groups of people here. His language kind of aims at the Jewish faction within the body there, which would make sense because Peter was sort of the the apostle to the Jews while Paul was sort of the apostle to the Gentiles. They both dealt with both groups of people. But Paul planted all these churches and Peter primarily became the uh, apostle to the Jewish nation, to the Jewish believers. They all worked together. It, it wasn't that segregated as, as I make it sound. Paul worked with Jews and Gentiles, as did Peter, as did John. But Peter's language here seems to be pointed at the Jewish contingent. But it applies to us. And it, it's particularly poignant in the, in, the, in the timing. Because if this was written like I expect, when I expected, thought it was, then the Jews were leaving, they were fleeing Jerusalem because of the siege. And Israel was getting ready to be crushed again, just like Babylon had crushed them before. And it was appearing that once again they were going to lose their nation and become the diaspora. And Peter is saying, you know, you are still a chosen people. But he's aiming this at the Christian believers. So we Christians, Jews and Gentile believers, we're a special people chosen by God that we might declare the praises of God who called us out of darkness. Man, this is wonderful stuff. I think today I'm just going to be walking away with my mind wrapping itself around all that this thing called the cornerstone represents. Jesus is my cornerstone. The cornerstone is the stone that orients the building what direction it's going to face. Jesus as our cornerstone is responsible for giving us the orientation of which direction our life is going to face. The cornerstone orients us. Um, that's some pretty good stuff. That's some pretty hefty stuff. That's all, all I got for this morning. Um, not quite as long as usual, but I'm sure that's okay with, uh, with you folks. Jesus is our cornerstone. He determines our orientation. 
What direction does our life face? What direction do we go? What is the purpose of our building? What is the purpose of our lives? It's determined by our cornerstone. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is Mr. G. This is my coffee. I'm out of here. Bye-bye.